Welcome to the Theo Pop Culture Smackdown. How did you like those musical stylings? That was great. <laughs> was that the you best? You are a DJ, sir. Or was that the best? You are. <laughs> okay, we're going to use those homemade beats coming your way. Yes, It's welcome. open source. You're free to copy it, use it, sell it. Sample it. Sample it. <laughs> Whatever all you do out there. Welcome. You made it through the first week of class. Congratulations. Congratulations and welcome to college. Every Thursday and Friday, we're going to have this end of week, end-ish week um, development called the Theo Pop Culture Smackdown. And you're going to have a group discussion that's going to respond to it each week, either in video form or written or whatever our course page tells you to do. Yeah. And the pop culture smackdown is exactly like it sounds. It is a smackdown. It is an argument, Mm. a debate Mm. about something that Christians debate about related to pop culture. That's right. We may even use the the concept of an artifact, like the idea of a physical object. Like when we reveal what we're going to be debating um, for this week, we'll tell you about it. It's It's a physical object, but at other times it might be something that's not a physical object yeah it could be a piece of media it could be a film it could be a tv show it could be a joke or a twitter feud yeah it could be a meme we we're, yep. we're open we got to get a twitter feud into it the great thing about um the history of of christians is that they all they all like to argue in any yep. era so yep. we're gonna find things yep. to argue about yep and our format is gonna be about three minutes each of us will have we'll take a position we will argue for three minutes then the other person will argue for three minutes and then we will have five minutes of discussion. And then at the very end, we will reveal what both of us actually think. Because in order to choose who argues what pro and con, we decided just for fun, at least to start, we're going to do a coin flip to decide who argues for what. But we're going to use it. Right. Should we use, I found an online coin flip on Google. Oh yeah. We're going to use it. that. We're going to use like that. It's like an Olympic looking coin thing. And I'm going to trust you that you have not rigged oh, this coin right. toss, but sports are out. So I feel like a coin toss theological debate. We'll kind of scratch that itch that that everyone's feeling right now. That's right. You can't have sports. You get an electronic coin flip for the Theo Friday, the pop culture smackdown podcast. Theo nerd arguments. What's better than that? Certainly not sports. So so the debate element itself, when we actually get to it, three minutes, then three minutes, then like a five minute just open sparring session, and then some denouement where we reveal our true attitudes. Mm -hmm. Now, usually we're going to shoot for these to be in the 10 to 12 minute range. This first one obviously is a little longer because we're explaining it here Mm -hmm. at the top. And um, adding some extra musical elements. Yeah, and then afterward, you will have um, you will discuss this as a part of your weekly discussion. And there's more details on how to do that on Foxtail, of course. But just reminding you this first time mm-hmm. of your weekly rhythm. So, what are we debating this week? Okay, so this week, how do we even choose these topics? I mean, we need to find something that makes sense given our week's topic, right? given the other material. So this week, our topic is as follows. <laughs> I wish I had that function on my keyboard. I know. I have total control over the musical thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this week, our topic is what we will call specialty Bibles. And perhaps, Dr. Payne, you could explain what a, what a specialty Bible is. And we want to ask the question, are they good for faith or bad for faith or something else? Yes. A specialty Bible is, we are defining it here as any Bible that is marketed toward a particular subgroup of our population. So um, present company accepted. Most of us, other than Dr. Doak, don't just sit around reading the Bible in the Bible's original languages without Mm. any kind of like translation or 
any special setting to Apparatus, it. Dr. Doak can do that. Cover, yes. A special cover, a special... The rest of us use Bibles that are, at the very least, translated into our languages. Usually they're divided by chapters, and you talked about that in your lecture, chapters and verses. Um, but in this country, we have a gazillion different kinds right. of Bibles we got, okay, available. We, we got to give a couple of examples of these. I've got two queued up on my computer's okay. tabs. Do you I've have some? One. Okay, mm-hmm. you, you go first. Which one do you have? Um, I have the Ultimate Bible for Girls, Faith Girls, Girls spelled with a Z. With a Z, of course. I knew it. I knew it right this is a Bible it. for tweeners. Oh. It is, the color scheme is definitely blue no just kidding just definitely kidding. pink and purple pink. it's very stere- stereotypically some like loopy looking letters girls. and so on yes and it has little sections that say bring it on like i think a reference to the cheerleading movie which will probably okay. only appeal to the moms okay um quizzes to help girls better understand the bible okay um all kinds of little like extra study guides and helps within mm-hmm. the text how about you okay which my example you? number one i've got a bible called the new everyday life bible the power of god's word for everyday living featuring notes and commentary by joyce meyer oh joyce, joyce meyer, meyer yes. is a popular televangelist. televangelist you may not never have heard of joyce meyer joyce meyer is kind of a midwestern hit she's from missouri i think That's i've actually right. seen joyce meyer live in person <gasps> was she when i lived in wisconsin super charismatic she's very charismatic she's like a traveling tv preacher type that's right and so this is a bible that it has a lot of like pictures of people on the the cover who are like just living family life together kind of like yeah. a multi-ethnic crew just like following god reading this bible okay. you know okay. and it's like and families and little babies and moms and dads and a grandma. And the idea, I think, is that you get this Bible because you're a fan of Joyce Meyer's particular brand of teaching. Right. And thus you get not only the text of the Bible, but then on the bottom you get like her take on every single thing in the style of her own commentary and faith perspective. Yeah. That's what we mean by a specialty Bible. Do you have another example? Oh, yes. I have actually, this is a, oh boy. <laughs> This is called the Left Behind Bible. The Left Behind yes, Bible. Yes. Very popular series. Oh, wow. When uh, I think it started coming out when I was coming of age. Yeah. A popular series that um, articulates or it's a it's an imaginative vision of what the end of time will be like. Mm-hmm. A a version, a premillennial dispensationalist for you theology nerds, version of what the end will be like, a fiction. Uh, it was a hugely popular novel series and then mm-hmm. um, also a film series. And it is a Bible according to Left Behind. So it's got lots of references mm-hmm. to that fictional series. I've got one and more. And lots of maps. I've got cool. one more to share. Okay. It's striking me as we're talking that these are going to be way longer than we think they're going to be. They're going to be Students just long. hang in there. It's all worth it. Yeah. It's all worth it's it. Okay. Easter okay. One more. Abound. The Athlete's yes. Bible. All, Athletes. it's, it's called All In. Oh, yeah. It says it, it has like a subtitle, God's Game Plan. I'm going to guess you get it? somebody was given one of those before they came to college. Oh, easily. Easily. Yes. If you were given one, let us know. Now, there are Bibles, of course, that are not these specialty Bibles. But what yeah. we're debating today is are these types of Bibles that are marketed toward a particular interest group, maybe a particular gender, maybe people in a particular age range, maybe people who are fans of a particular author or spiritual leader. Are these kinds of Bibles good for faith? Are these helpful for reading the Bible? Or are they actually bad? And wh- if they were bad, why would they be bad? That's mm-hmm. what we're going to debate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, are we ready to do the coin flip? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to call it? And then if you call it, do you get to pick? Or do we just like say if it's... Ha- if, I, if I call it, then I pick. Oh, okay. I'm, you got to trust me. I'm not going to lie about this. Heads or tails? Heads. Okay, I'm flipping. Tails never fails, and you just chose heads, but let's just see. Okay, I'm flipping. <laughs> well, I Ready? I wasn't an athlete. Wait, yeah. what did you choose? Heads. Okay, heads, heads. Here it is. It's heads. You win. <laughs> you win. I'm going to choose 
Hmm. Pro I or con? I choose pro. You choose pro. Yep. Specialty Bibles. Specialty Bibles are great for the faith. Dr. Payne, <laughs> you have three minutes. Ready, okay. go. Okay. I'm going to use for my opening argument, Matthew 28, the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus gives what's called the Great Commission. Go out into all the world, mm. baptizing them and making disciples out of them. And I th- I see specialty Bibles as a way of fulfilling the Great Commission. You go out and you meet people where they're at, mm-hmm. and then you explain the gospel in terms that they can understand. I think another example from the Bible I would choose would be the famous story of Mars Hill uh, from Acts 17, where Paul gives, the Apostle Paul gives, an explanation of the person of God, the person of Jesus Christ, in terms that um, a Greek listener would understand. So specialty Bibles, even though um, they may vary from culture to culture, are really helpful because they help us um, explain the gospel and go that extra mile mm-hmm. to connect with people. Um, you know, we no matter where you go in terms or or what area you're in in the history of the church, people have always um, pushed the boundaries from culture to culture, explaining the person of Jesus. And I would say that um, this, like creating a Bible that has a frame that makes sense to a particular subgroup only makes sense in our current cultural context because we live in an era uh, wherein people um, can get a little bit isolated in their particular, like, corner of the world and this is a way of reaching out to them so in a way you could explain it as love of neighbor like how do you love your neighbor you give the words of God to them and you um, create something that um, allows them to enter into the conversation so I would guess that we have student athletes um, here listening um, to this podcast that might actually appreciate and a fellow athlete, someone who's a little bit further down the road in their Christian walk, explaining to them why they think a particular verse or a particular um, story in the Bible is relevant to their own experience. So it's a way for Christians who share some other thing in common, sports, childhood, adulthood, family life, um, a, a way for them to minister to each other uh, across cultural context. Okay, I'm going to time you with yours. I'll see no, those no, 30 seconds. No, you still seconds. have 30 seconds. Uh, no, I know. You're not going to take... It. I see it. My point was so strong. Oh, my gosh. I'm worried now. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even give her 30 seconds. Oh, wait. I'm going to give you three minutes. Okay. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Go. Look, these specialty Bibles are, are not good for faith. I, I grant some of the points that Dr. Payne has wisely brought up. But let me start with this. Um, uh, here's an author that I, uh, that, that I like named Timothy Beale. He's a Christian author. He has a book called The Rise and Fall of the Bible. So I'm citing my source here. He raises a problem that I think is really a big problem for readers of the Bible today. It's called brand dilution. If you're into marketing or business, you'll know instantly what this is. Brand dilution works like this. Like take a Rolex watch. It's a prestige item, right? Like, do you have a Rolex? Probably not. I don't have one. That's the whole point. They're expensive and they're revered because not everyone has one. The idea of holiness works like this. You can't just have everybody coming in and trampling what is holy. So if the Bible is everywhere in all of these cheap instantiations, the Bible becomes less holy than I think we as Christians want it to be. The point is not that, oh, we should just like restrict the numbers of Bibles just like by some arbitrary percentage. I'm just saying when you start to make all these special, especially Bibles, it makes the Bible something silly and less sacred than it should be to us 
as Christians. Dr. Payne mentioned the idea of the fact that our culture fragments into all of these groups, and it can be helpful for us uh, against the fear of isolation to know that, in fact, hey, there are other athletes out there reading the Bible. I grant that, but I think, I think any of us can look out at our cultural landscape today and agree that we're too isolated. Like this fragmentation of culture into market groups and identity groups, it has its purposes, but it can also go, it can also go negative. In fact, in fact, now we get to the real dark side of the specialty Bible, which Dr. Payne did not bring up, namely that this is a marketing ploy. I mean, this is to, this is for publishers to make money. They're making money off of people's divisions. And by the way, if you have something like the Joyce Meyer Study Bible, it's like Joyce Meyer is taking her personal ministry brand and yoking that to the Bible itself on the same page and using it to sell her own take on the Bible. So, I mean, Bibles are the best-selling book in America. They're not even listed on the New York Times bestseller list because it would be pointless. They just always are. But somebody's making money off of this. Like, this is a multi-billion dollar business, and I wouldn't want us to lose, um, oh, I'm only one minute in. Okay. No, I've got one minute left. You have one minute. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I wouldn't want us to lose sense of the the kind of the, the darker business aspects of this. These people are, are appealing to maybe some of our baser instincts to identify against other people or into groups in order to make money. This is a market-driven, materialistic type of thing. Um, you know, the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, not the actual covers that it comes in. Yes, we always receive the text in a wrapping, and we can be explicit about that, but to overemphasize that is to um, underemphasize what we have in common, and it diminishes the holiness of the text, I argue. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Did I did I get in the You timer? had 18 seconds left. Oh, and I even had 18 seconds. Yep, yep. Woo! Okay, okay, okay we did, it. did it. Now, discussion. Did it. Discuss. What did, you know, sometimes it's helpful in these discussions to say, did you think the other person made a good point? I'll mm -hmm. start. Okay. I mean, that point that you made about people maybe feeling isolated in their, in their identity group and then realizing, hey, I'm not alone. I thought that was a really good point. I never thought about that. Oh, thanks. You know, it just came to me as we were talking. No way. Because we've been living in such a, a moment of isolation. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how I like to watch certain TV shows. And when I see somebody on social media right. who talks about it, even right. if I haven't talked to that person in like 10 years, I have this affinity with them. Well, I was thinking this the other day when I was Googling something. I was mm -hmm. Googling like, um, I, I, I went on a hike the other day and I think I'm about to lose my left toenail, <laughs> by oh, the way. Sads. So I was like Googling some stuff about the toenails, but it struck hiking. me. I had this like mystical connection with all of humanity on Google because I was like, probably anything that you Google, no matter how dark it is, whatever health problem, someone else has Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know that? what I mean? So that idea that you're connecting with other people with the same problem or perspective, I get that that could help you feel less lonely in life. I think that in, in, in many ways, I think that's the mystical beauty of the Bible, which is there are many things, a lot of things we don't understand about the original text and mm -hmm. the people of the text, but there are a lot of things that we do understand, like the mm -hmm. yearnings for God, mm -hmm. the sorrow, the joy. Mm -hmm. So I think in some ways that is the beauty of the Bible. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I appreciated um, that you talked about was how the specialty Bibles are definitely a product of like our particular American materialist kind of culture. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was a really strong point mm -hmm. that you made. The danger of that is that we're trying, things are being sold to us. And if we're not right. conscious of that, I want to ask you about one of your points. Sure. I mean, w it's true that we like, we all come from groups. We all have, you know, we have a place where we came from and a language and a skin color and a body type and we all have different hair. And you know, the, like there's all this like context that we come with. Mm -hmm. I, I, I 
furthering my argument here, but asking, challenging you, like, is it really good to like, just, uh, just be so explicit about it and even choose Bibles based on that? I know we didn't really choose like race-based Bibles, but we were, you know, you can find this kind of stuff. Like there's a, there's a one-year Bible for busy moms. Right. It's like, well, there's a particular group of people who would who be would a busy, classify themselves classify as, a, a, as a busy mom. A, a busy mom. There's, you know, uh, there, there are just, there are Bibles like this. Yeah. I think that that is certainly a concern. So because I took on the pro argument, I'm mm-hmm. going to argue in yeah. favor of the specialty no, we're, Bible. We're still in that. By still saying that um, there's a theorist, um, a guy named Hans Georg Gadamer. Fancy. Who, who, yeah, who basically argues that anytime you're encountering a text, you and the text are bringing like yourselves together mm-hmm in a particular like interpretive moment. Mm-hmm. So I think a, a a response to that criticism would be, aren't we kidding ourselves? Don't we always do that anyway? Mm-hmm. So then the question is, this is an issue of degree. Like do the specialty Bibles emphasize something that they shouldn't? Do they divide us into these little subgroups so that we can't talk to each other? Yeah. And I think that the a pro- specialty Bible, mm-hmm. because I'm taking that position, I would say, hey, listen, isn't it just good that they're reading the Bible? Americans right. are incredibly illiterate when right. it comes to the Christian scriptures. So right. isn't any like successful attempt Anything. at getting people yeah. to read it better than not? It could be. I think the question, though, is like, when you have these specialty Bibles and, and, and those listening, you'd have to look up one of these. If you've never heard of a specialty Bible, you've got to oh. get your hands on one of these sometime. And look, yeah. they just, the apparatus that send they have. Send us your weirdest ones. Send us yeah. your weirdest yeah. ones. The, I, I've got actually an example of a super weird specialty okay. Bible. Oh, I can't even describe it right yeah. now. It's, it's too good. <laughs> but like the apparatus of the specialty Bibles, like you have the text, yes, but then you have this paratext stuff, stuff around the text. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of distracting. It's like when you're watching a YouTube video, but then there are all these tempting options on the side. Yeah. Now I'm not focusing. Now my eyes are drifting. I'm genuinely worried about this point uh, that Timothy Beale raises about this brand dilution thing. Like, oh, I've got a counter argument. There's so that. many Bibles. There are too many Bibles. The Bible has lost. It's, it's kind of like brand status. I'm going to argue against you and... Timothy Beale here mm. on this and say that argument would apply to Rolex watches because a watch is not a strong enough brand. But if we're talking about the Christian scriptures that have survived centuries, millennia that have endured and been triumphant over plagues and wars and mm-hmm. fires and famines, I think the it's not it's more than a brand. Like the status of the scriptures exceeds any apparatus that is put over yeah. it. So I think the holiness argument only applies to something that can be tainted. I agree that that should be true, but I think there's just a sad reality about what faith has become, what church has become for so many of us. It, it is a brand. It's like, it's a, it's a product essentially. And we're consumers of a product, not humans engaging in a faith at that point. How about this? How about we think of the, the specialty Bible as an, as an experiment Mm-hmm. in terms of like an ongoing process to see how we can disseminate the scriptures. Some are going to land and some aren't going to land. Some right. may divide people a little bit too much, but then some may actually resonate with people in an important way. One thing that I think of, we I don't know if we could classify it as a specialty Bible or just like the visual mm-hmm. um, advances in, in Bible creating, like Bible via like the Bible project. Bible that project students videos. are reading. That is sure. a Bible apparatus. That is in its That's own true. way a kind of specialty Bible. It is. Okay. We've gone we've gone our five minutes. Yes. So you get the last word. 
Ooh, okay, the debate is intense. Okay. That wasn't too intense. No, that wasn't. That was but good. But I think there were some try. good I think there were some good points there that allow us to think about, you know, these kind of that's good, right. th- just the physicality of like how we get the text to like start thinking about it. And that's what this week about Bible has been about. So now I have to ask you, right. big reveal. Are you for or against specialty Bibles? <laughs> <laughs> the music is intense. You know, I honestly feel conflicted. I I believe okay, so the point I do feel that the Bible has been cheapened in a way by these kinds of texts and I don't like the fact regardless of whether Joyce Meyer is a good spiritual teacher or not, I'm bracketing that question. I don't like the fact that she gets to make money off an actual Bible. Can she write books about the Bible? Yes. You and I have both written books about the Bible (laughs) and faith. That's fine. I'm but like to actually put your words in a Bible like that, I don't know, it just feels like it just feels a little dirty to me, and I I just worry about these kinds of things. Having said that, there was a point in my faith journey where I think a Bible like that could have appealed to me more than it does now. So it could be a generational thing. So I'm clearly a little conflicted, but I kind of do believe the things I was saying. Okay. What about you? What's your actual... Wait, I'll do the, I'll do the oh, music yeah. for you too. I need Dr. Payne, music. what was your position? Well, I actually chose a position that I don't maintain for the fun of trying to argue a a position that I don't actually have. I mean, I don't feel super strongly that they're bad Mm -hmm. at all, but I'll just say this, that when I read the scriptures to my children, Mm -hmm. which to me, that's the most important like Bible act I could do because I, I take their faith formation seriously. I don't read any additional mechanisms. I don't even actually read them children's Bibles. You don't let them even see the covers and the pictures and no, the stuff. No, I don't because um for all the reasons that you said and in, in fact some of the reasons the reason that I thought that you brought up that was the strongest was this idea of like how our own cultural context specifically like our race or ethnicity could be like like um shaping how we interpret mm. the Bible. And um, when I was a kid, my parents just let me loose reading the Bible and I was mm. reading some really there's some like rated R. You were like reading there. the book of Judges as a little Oh yeah, girl. like all those really <laughs> sketchy parts about like Even in Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's you don't have to read very far to start getting into it. Yeah. And students, you're gonna be reading some stuff like if you think about it, a film version will probably never ever be made of that because oh, of right. the subject matter. And um I I had to be told later on in life that it didn't that it like was bad or didn't make sense or wasn't appropriate, you know, because as a child, I was just like, I'm reading the Bible. This is important. And I think that I, I like my imagination and I think the spirit of God was like connecting those dots for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a little bit hesitant about letting other people connect those dots. I see. So it's kind of like a spiritual thing for me. There could be a time for it. And obviously say you're taking an academic class on the Bible. You could, you're, you are having other people connect dots for you, but it's a question about, that experience, what, who and what gets to speak into it. Hopefully by doing this little exercise this week on Specialty Bibles, we've given you a sense to think about like, yeah, to what extent is our faith experience a market or a product or a consumer experience though too? And I should say, I still have the Specialty Bible that I was given as a 13-year-old in my house. Aww. It's called the Grow For It Bible. Grow still for have it. it. Grow for it, everyone. Grow for it. See ya.